You're listening to the Theology of Music podcast. Follow on YouTube and Instagram, support through buymeacoffee.com, and subscribe to the only podcast that unpacks the good and sometimes bad theology in the songs that we sing. My name is Joel, and you know what? I'm I'm really happy. I'm happy that you're here. Happy New Year! Uh, what 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 a season! Uh, and yeah, I haven't talked to you guys uh, for a couple weeks because last week we aired the episode with Jared Anderson, which that was uh, so fun. Oh man, he is. Thank you so much, Jared Anderson. If you're listening to this podcast, he's he's a real one. I want to say that I really do. I, I know you heard me kind of rave about him on the podcast and you got to hear it if you haven't please go listen to it but Jared Anderson really is a real one he isn't uh he doesn't drink his own Kool-Aid he, he has a incredibly famous worship song that um I mean if you if you were growing up or during that time I know a couple of people who that that song himself Jared Anderson got them into worship music into piano and and playing piano in worship teams and so this is a guy that has has reached so many people and yet is not full of himself, isn't uh, full of all his accolades and his acclaim. And I mean, he's still like he's he is one of the more consistent people liking the uh, our stuff on Instagram. So, you know, you if you are not following us on Instagram, um, let that make you feel a little bad that the guy who has a song with millions of plays on Spotify is taking the time out of his day to like our stuff on Instagram and follow us and engage and even text me back. How? So what are you doing? <laughs> but man, yeah. So this this year, hopefully, hopefully you, without overloading on the hope, but hopefully you are looking at this year with more hope than maybe you've looked at the past years. I know it's still kind of crazy. I know that there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I know that. COVID's still a thing. I know that the pandemic's still a thing. I, I know that politics are still confusing and frustrating. Um, but there's there's so much to this year that you, you're you going to miss out on if you are coming into it with such a, a, down, um, a downcast view, right? And so my hope is that with this song, even though it's a bit of a, com- a controversial song, especially when it first came out, um, that this song gives us a good jumping off point, which you might be thinking, well, hold on, How He Loves is a pretty consistently um, kind of railed on song within the Reformed community. Uh, so why, why are you having a positive view? Well, here, here's the biggest thing I want to start this off with. You know that um, that I've talked about this before in the podcast, but there are songs, right? I usually rate songs for congreg- you know, talking about a song as far as what it would be for congregational worship. And then stuff for personal worship, right? So there are songs that I have re- reviewed and talked about and discussed on this podcast that I've said, hey, I wouldn't do this in church, but like I don't have any bones about private worship, right? You know, Reckless Love was one of those. I, I actually worshiped privately to that song a lot, Reckless Love. It was super helpful to me um, because I was working in ministry and, and it was a time in my life when I was so focused on the intellectual, so focused on growing and growing in my knowledge and and I was I was starting to make that the the main thing and I kept forgetting about how beautiful it is that God would love us right and so that was the song that just helped me in my personal worship and this is a song that does the same so this song how he loves was originally written by John Mark McMillan 
and it, there are many versions. Uh, heck, Flyleaf didn't one. It's actually it it slaps. The Flyleaf one is a like hardcore one. It actually works out. Her voice sounds really cool. And then one of the more famous versions of it is Crowder, and his is the one where he, with permission, changed the lyric of Sloppy Wet to Unforeseen. But this song came out originally th through John Mark McMillan in 2005, okay? And when it came out, it was it was a pretty big deal uh, in his circle, but it wasn't a really big deal in the Christian worship circuit, right? It was, it was more for those indie hipster people who knew about John Mark McMillan and, and, and like that kind of stuff. And now, uh, interestingly enough, he's become a little bit more of a, uh, a household name, but not that much. And his songs usually, they're very similar to what like Pat Barrett's songs were when Pat Barrett first writed, writed wrote songs. Um, they, they were much more popular when they got covered by other bigger artists, right? And so... John Mark McMillan's songs have been covered by Bethel, and so therefore they've gotten bigger or Crowder or, you know, with Pat Barrett, it was Chris Tomlin. Uh, and, and so that's, this song wasn't really that big of a deal until Crowder put it on their album in 2010, right? So this song comes out in 2005. Five years later, boom, now it's huge. I mean, everything, everyone wants to sing that song. And so it's really interesting Really interesting because it's a very, very, very simple song. Right? There's not there's not much to it in the sense of of lyrics. Um, there's there's not much to it in the sense of depth. And it's I'm not saying that to say hold hold on you know this is a terrible song, but we when we are approaching a song, especially if it's simple there is a level of okay where are we mark where are we going to mark this on a on a kind of scale of is this corporate is this personal worship and i will say there is room for simple songs uh in corporate worship but a super simplistic song with with pretty um pretty surface level theology is not usually going to be the best corporate worship song and honestly it's not gonna be you know, even just for a short period of time but really they're never really they don't stand the test of time in the sense that you're constantly putting them in sets because they're so good right it's just i mean I've, I've been around long enough and if you've been around long enough in worship music you know and so this is one of those songs huge at one point nah uh i don't have access to planning center in a way that i used to before but if i looked at the top 40 i'm pretty sure this wouldn't be on there uh it was when it first was out. I mean, 2010, when Crowder first released it on their stuff. So it was huge. But let's look at the lyrics and then we'll talk about, is it biblical? And then, of course, we'll get into the sloppy, wet and unforeseen. And so the first verse starts with, he is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. <laughs> and so <laughs> lyrically, just a pet peeve of mine. I don't like when people start a thought at the end of one line that goes into the next line case in point like so he is jealous for me loves like that's a, a a set thought loves like a hurricane set thought i am a tree is only said because it rhymes with me and then but there's a comma so it's i am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy that's a full thought it's just i just it's awkward to sing too like he is jealous for me loves like a hurricane i am a tree and you think, oh, okay, but then you go bending beneath. It's just, it's, it's awkward. You're like, where's the thought start? But this wasn't a song that many people were really diving into thinking of, hmm, I am a tree. 
is it I am a tree bending beneath or is it just I am a tree? What does it mean to be a tree? Who knows what trees are, right? Next line, next verse. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you, you are, talking about God, and how great your affections are for me. And the chorus. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not knocking. I'm not, not like it. I just, when you read some, when you read O's in lyrics outside of singing them, man, is it weird. Like, and I myself have written songs with O's in them and, and stuff. And when you read it separate, it's, unless it's like O with an exclamation point, when you just have O or whoa, it's just, <laughs> there's, there's no way to look at it and not, not think. <laughs> so, so anytime I see a song with O in it, uh, without like, oh, the depth of great, you know, that kind of thing. You just kind of, oh, whoa. Yeah, you know, anyway, so with this song, that's the chorus, and, and it's, oh, how he loves us, oh, oh, how he loves us, how he loves us, oh, and then you repeat the, the first verse again, and he is jealous for me, loves like a hurricane, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy, when all of a sudden I am, an, I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and great, affections are. and you do the chorus again, and then you go into... Um, this kind of semi-verse, kind of semi-bridge, supposed to be more of like a free-flowing kind of song anyway. And then he goes, and we are his portion, and he, are, he is our prize, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. And heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. This is Crowder. Or in the Mark, John Mark McMillan, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. Ooh. And my heart turns violently inside of my chest. And I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way. And then you get to the big part that everyone would just keep singing. I was a part of this worship, um, this worship event. I, I put, I helped, I, well, I put on this worship event in high school. And um, the, we had two bands. Um, we had our band and then we had like an opener band. And they played this song. I'm pretty sure if I remember it was 12 minutes. 12 minutes and there's not a lot to this song so like oh man and people would do that and that was the problem a lot people would do the song forever and you just keep going and you would ride the wave of emotion and here's a thing just kind of a little tidbit when you're riding the wave of emotion in a worship uh worship service you know through music right uh, you will always lose people, right? It's, it's like a lazy river at a water park. If it just keeps going, eventually people are lose interest and they want to get off, right? Of course, there's those people are just living for it. They're just living for it. They're, they're going to keep going. But then there are those people that are, you know, they're, they don't, they're not mean. They're not bitter. They're not dis, distraught. They're not uh curmudgeons you know they enjoy the song they they enjoyed where where it went and uh they're ready to get off the ride and if you just keep going uh you alienate a lot of people in your church and I, that's a i think a very huge mistake 
um, and miscalculation worship leaders make. They, they assume the Spirit's moving in a way that we should keep going. And you have to remember, there, it, the, one element of, the, of uh, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And too much of a good thing is a bad thing. And so there are many times that when you even feel like, oh, I, I really feel in my heart, remember, I really feel in my heart that the Spirit's saying we should keep going. Sure, but what about time? What about, you know, people who are volunteering in children's ministry and parking and all that kind of stuff? Like, you have to remember, the Spirit moves in a way that's unifying, not disunifying. So think about that. So in that case, I was like, 12 minutes is just way too long. So anyway, you get to the, when I think about the way he loves, and then you go, he loves us. I changed keys, I know. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves. And then, you have the electric guitar going nuts, which I will say, I, I do like adding that guitar part in worship songs. Heck, I added it, I was going to add it this past week in a worship song, but I switched to Cajon instead of electric. But I was going to add... The, the no, 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 no. the electric guitar part, and then at one part I was gonna when we get really big like the, you know like like a little swell up to it, a little bend. Uh, I was gonna do that, but I uh, did get to. So I will say like the melody, John Mark McMillan did a great job with this melody because there's something about melodies that continue over chord changes it's just it is the the uh, the chef's kiss for the average congregate because it it feels good it feels right it feels dramatic it feels a, you just feel you feel when it's very emotive right when you're dun, 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 chord change dun, 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 chord change dun, 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 chord change dun, 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 dun. And it just because you in it you feel you feel more capable as a as a singer in a congregation because you're oh wow like the music is changing and I'm a part of this and it's one of the beauties of of music that the Lord created. I mean even thinking about uh, what what Jared Anderson said last week about the human voice right as a congregate you're singing united with your brothers and sisters on a Sunday morning and so when you have those moments in songs that have those type of melodies it's a really powerful thing especially when you're singing a beautiful truth right so. But let's let's look now. There's a ton of people who are on all different sides of of this, right? So, one of my good friends, you know him, Vince Wright, right? He loves this song, or at least he did when he released his um, his review. Uh, and I think he still loves this song, but he, he would not recommend it for for congregational worship. I wouldn't recommend it for congregational worship just because it's confusing um, in ways, and the 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 lyrics can be confusing and. And it's it's hard to know who you're singing about because it's a easily confused like Jesus is my boyfriend song, um, and so I mean even if you look at the lyrics right, there's not a lot scripture for it right. Jesus jealous for us like you know he talks about in in Exodus he's a jealous God, talking about the um, the Ten Commandments right you know kind of talking through that. Um, he's a we are his portion he's our prize right. You're talking about Romans language New Testament. Um, we're chosen people. It's Old Testament. So you, you, you do have some biblical illusions, but in all honesty, there's not a ton of scriptural backing for the lyrics. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because if you don't know the story of the song, and it's fine that I didn't start saying it in the beginning because I wanted to kind of talk about other stuff first, but 
the story of the song was this this was written because John uh, lost some really good friends in a car accident and he was angry with the Lord. And I completely understand that. And so you might not be thinking, oh, I'm going to take this line right from scripture when I write this song about how I know I'm angry, I know things are going on, but I know that you love me. And I, and this, this, this dynamic between you, Lord, and me is so interesting and you're so powerful, you're so strong, and I'm so weak and frail, um, and I'm, but I'm still so angry and frustrated. Like, I get that. I get writing songs from a, a, a point of pain. I mean, I've done that before. On our last album, This Is Not The End, This Is Not The End, the song itself was written from a point of pain. Right? It was it was such a hard time in my life, and I just had to keep reminding myself, this is not the end. This is not the end. I just it's not the end. I know that God has more. Not like God has better things for me, but God has more than just this pain, right now, right? And and, and so I understand that, and I love that. I love, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's you gravitate towards this song. Even if you're someone who's like, I don't think it, I don't like sloppy wet. I don't like, I might, I like the chorus. I think because you can tangibly feel the pain and you can understand that because we've all been in a, in a position of pain in our life. <laughs> Heck, there was a few nights where Nora was just waking up for no reason at 2.30 and I had to like lay down in their room to get her to be quiet and fall asleep. And there was a moment I was like, God, what the heck are you doing? I, I, I'm going to throw myself down these stairs. Can you just get this kid to sleep? Right? I was just argh, so angry. I was, come on. Come on, God. So I get that. And, and so when you think about that, it kind of makes a little bit of sense, right? So when now when you look at some of the lyrics, because a lot of people love, they do love this song. They like they like the the idea of of God being like a hurricane, and and you, so this 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 poetic imagery you 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 use to get across how how strong God's love is, and I I do think that's a good thing to say. God's love isn't because who God is, he's he's strong, he's 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 set apart, he's holy. His love is not like ours, right? And it is strong. And so you get this idea of the hurricane, and you're, you're bending as a tree beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. And, and so it's an interesting idea to compare God's love to a storm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of that kind of language just because you typically view storms as negative. And so I can see how you might look at that. And, and it's powerful imagery, but I don't like how it can have some negative connotations. But, you know, Jeremiah talks about like he... When, when God thunders, the waters in heaven's roar. I mean, this is a, this is a beautiful verse. He makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out wind from storehouses. Difference, though, is it's not talking about his love. So you're, you're bridging some things about how you know who God is revealed through Scripture through Jeremiah 51. And then you're poetically kind of taking that imagery and then using it now for, well, that's like God's love. You know, so... I get though, if you think, well, yeah, this was a it was a time in his life where he was feeling that storm, but not the storm of his God's love, and so with that, it can get a little confusing. And when you look at a lot of people defending this song, they're pulling a lot. I think they're pulling a little bit out of thin air with that. Well, he was going through a time of storm in his life, true, but the storm in Jeremiah and the storm of his life isn't necessarily talking about the storm of God's love, right? And so when you use those that language of hurricanes and waters and drowning and all that kind of stuff scripture doesn't say we drown in god's love we god's love is like a a category five tor, you know tornado that 
whips us up and swings us around and we're we're weightless in it right <laughs> like i could write a song <laughs> please don't take that and make a song out of that you totally could though you just i'm weightless in your love like a tornado you take me this sounds like an old hymn <laughs> but you could take that you could um but it is it's beautiful though when you think about how uh how god god isn't this um domesticated force right i love how c.s lewis talks about god in chronicles of narnia he, he, lucy uh, the character says um you know he says he's a lion oh but is is he is he safe and and i think it's mr thomas says no he's not safe but he is good and I, i've always loved that that imagery has always stuck with me god he's not safe and so when i read that and i think about that i i see how yeah he's not safe language like that is makes some sense right storms aren't safe Drown, drowning's definitely not safe um sinking in water is not safe right but god is good he is good um you think about when he when he talks about I'm unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory. You know Romans eight talks about how I, I Paul says I'm considering all this present sufferings they're, they're not even they're nothing comparing to the the glory that's coming. Yes, but I don't think when you see I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory is it is that what John Mark McMillan was talking about? It's pretty afflictions. Uh, another is another word for present sufferings. So maybe. Um, you know, and I realize just how beautiful you are. You don't really know where that's coming from. How great your affections are for me, right? Philippians talks about that. And then love, oh, he loves us, right? We are his portion. We've already talked about. He is our prize. Um, drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes is, is a line that I actually really enjoy because it's it's kind of kind of reformed if you think about it. It's it's in, in Calvinistic language, in tulip language, this would be the irresistible grace, which I kind of if you haven't thought about it, it's kind of pretty true, right? Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. It's meaning that God's grace is so powerful and so strong. We are unable to resist it because how could we, right? So I love that. I, I love that kind of language. And I, when I read that, I think it's great. And then if his grace is an ocean, we're all sinking. Okay. Well, anyway. So now there, here's the line. And heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet or unforeseen. So Crowder makes no I honestly, I think it makes way less sense, even though sloppy wet is so uncomfortable. Unforeseen makes way less sense. Like if you're just trying to not sing sloppy wet, think of something else. Unforeseen makes no sense. Heaven meets earth prophesied through Old Testament, through Christ. It's not unforeseen. And also, Unforeseen Kiss has, like, in this day and age where we're trying to cancel the song, Baby, It's Cold Outside, because it sounds like someone's being coerced. Um, Unforeseen Kiss is not, is is pretty coercive language, <laughs> if you think about it. <laughs> so, like, why, why were you singing this? Why were we okay singing that? Um, but, you know, when, when, when you think... When you think about John Mark's original line, sloppy wet, um, a lot of people have tried to say it's like it's like the language you would use in Song of Solomon. It's very graphic. It's very intimate. It's very, um, 
it, it, it has a very close language, right? This isn't, you don't say that to someone who's a friend, right? This, and Song of Solomon isn't a friend to a friend. It's, it's, it's lovers who are united to each other um, through marriage, right? This is, um, it's, so that it's, it's very graphic. It's a graphic line. And you might continue like me to be like, ah, oh, I don't, I don't like singing that. It's uncomfortable. Well, I mean, you don't have to. Obviously, I would say don't sing this song in worship on a Sunday morning. It's got, that's not corporate worship, okay, right? But in your private worship, can you reconcile that God, God's love, is pretty graphic? Like how He demonstrated His love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I mean, you know read through the account of his crucifixion and everything leading up to it. That's pretty graphic. And so there's an aspect of, it's a little bit of a shock to you when you, when you see that line, sloppy wet kiss. Whoa, that's, that's intense. But it does make me think to the intensity of God's love displayed through Christ on the cross. But that's me, right? That as, as someone who in my own personal worship, I can go there like, like I did with reckless love. But that's why you don't do this song corporately, because not everyone can do that. I mean, you you might just immediately turn anyone, someone off from from the church just because they're going. I'm I'm exploring the church, and this is weird. It is weird. Don't put weird songs in in front of your congregants. How about how about that? How, there's your there's your Joel tip for you, worship pastor and pastor. Don't put weird songs in front of your congregants just because you're you want to be different or edgy. Stop it. So anyway. Heart turning violently inside of my chest. It's like it's like getting excited, you know. Remember when my wife and I were dating long distance? I'd get so excited to see her. I wouldn't be able to sleep. I get that. I, I like that. I like that. It's, I, it's really cool. Uh, and I don't have time to maintain these regrets, which I think is beautiful. And that's kind of where I want to jump off now into this last portion um, about love, right? Because this song is about love, and it's about how God loves us. And in, when you look at how Scripture depicts love right you anytime you think about the love passage the love verse what what do you think of you think of first corinthians and it's i i don't like how we do that i don't like how we immediately go to the the verse 4 right where it's, so it's first corinthians it's first corinthians 13 verse 4 is where it starts with the love is patient love is kind but what's so beautiful is the three verses beforehand i think are the most important and we we miss out on the context if we don't know that right so the first three verses of first corinthians 13 it says if i speak in tongues right he's been talking about gifts this whole time if i speak in tongues or of, of men or angels but i do not have love what does he say i'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal it's like a toddler yelling in your face it's not fun Right? If I have a gift of prophecy and can fathom all all the mysteries and all knowledge, so not just some, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom basically everything, all the mysteries, I'm, it's known to me now. And if I have faith that could move mountains, right? You have such strong faith. You you trust God in everything, and you you know and you 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 know what God's doing at all the time all the time. But you don't have love. You're literally nothing. You might as well just stop existing. You're nothing. Don't even, don't even talk about Jesus. Don't even talk about the Lord. Don't, don't work in ministry. Just stop. You're, you're wasting your time. You're nothing. You are absolutely nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor 
and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, right? People that are super sacrificial and, and generous and, and, and are, are, are so great about hospitality and, and sacrificing for the kingdom, uh, but you don't have love, you get nothing, you gain nothing, all that you did, right? Because typically when you sacrifice, you're sacrifice, sacrificing to gain. What he's saying is you, all that you did, you didn't get anything else in return. You yielded nothing. And then he talks about love is patient, love is kind. Love is sacrificial because what it what it's saying is everything that I have isn't like none of that matters. Doesn't matter about my gifting, doesn't matter about my interests, it doesn't matter about my personality, it doesn't matter about my past, it doesn't matter about my my possessions. Love, as he says remains. It's the greatest. It's the greatest of faith, hope, and love. Is He said it's love because it transcends. And so if if we're approaching 2022 and we're looking at, at others as from this perspective of, okay, so tongues, your ability to to convey what's going on in your life and your, your ability to kind of make things happen uh, and influence others, but you don't have love, you're, 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 you're more annoying than someone banging a cymbal in your ear than a toddler yelling, right? Than a baby crying nonstop. If you can speak into people's lives, make stuff happen, you, you're so knowledgeable, you've just been reading and you're so smart, but you don't have love, you're nothing. It doesn't matter, you're nothing. You're not bringing anything to the table really at the end. You might as well just never come. Shouldn't, shouldn't have ever even walked through the door. If you have faith that's so strong that you can literally move mountains, like you just have this faith that is unyielding and it's steadfast and you don't have love, once again, why are you here? Why did you walk in the door? And if you give everything, if you're so sacrificial and generous, but you're not doing it out of love and you don't have love, you're getting nothing in return. I think the reason why we are uncomfortable with songs like How He Loves. And we're uncomfortable with the idea of love is because it's hard to fathom and understand in a way that God wants us to. Because we, we always look at love from our perspective. And I think about the song How He Loves and I think about a lot of songs in today's worship culture that have to do with love. And there's so many people on the reform side that are tired of it. We're tired of love songs. Jesus is my boyfriend and so friendly. Which, why can't we just let's sing better songs and blah, 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 blah. Totally fine. I'm all for that. But as when I was in counseling and as a counselor, like when I would counsel, one thing we would always were taught to was look for the felt need. If you, once again, are fathoming all the mysteries of worship music and biblical worship and and what's the best appropriate type of worship to have and blah, 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 blah. But you don't have love for those who have a very strong felt need of love. Uh, you're nothing. And I know I like, I know I harp on this all the time. And it's because the side that I, I feel like I'm on that side, obviously, but I also feel like I'm a little bit more nuanced, right? But I'm reformed. I've, I, I write hymns. I come, you know, I come from that background more. And so you could say I play on that team or whatever, but I, I'm so frustrated half the time with other people that are on the same team like that, because it's, 
great, cool. You 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 care about theology and you care about this, and you do that now because you were in such a bad church before that was all about emotionalism and and experientialism and you know kundalini and everything like that. And it was it was traumatic for you. Yes, I'm not knocking that, but you can't now forget the felt needs of others who are still brothers and sisters in Christ who need you to love them, right? You are nothing. If you now have come out of that world and you possess the knowledge and you've gotten that knowledge and you can now understand the mysteries of of Reformed theology or whatever, and your faith's so much stronger now, and and yet you don't love others, you're nothing. It doesn't matter. All that, everything that you're talking about, every word you speak, every syllable is just, it's nothing, right? So we have to remember that... there's a reason why people are focusing on love. It's, it's, it's a felt need. Why, why does anyone focus on anything at all? We focus on things. We harp on things. We, we, uh, we obsess over things often because we're not getting enough of it, right? And nutrition, it's very similar to if you're craving carbs or sugar, it's probably because you're, you're low in that. Now, obviously, it's not, you don't then go out and just eat carbs that are like simple carbs or um, simple sugars or, or something like that you know, like processed sugars, it, but it's, it's your body telling you, you need something. So let's not forget how the Lord has made us. We, we, we have felt needs and the world still doesn't have love. Right. Right. This whole free love, this whole freedom of expression of love and all that kind of stuff. Like it's not helping the world. And, and I think TGC did a really good article about it, talking about how the failure of it all, the, the failure of how this free love has impacted society and it's it's not worth it it's it's basically proving to be uh, a waste and more harmful and the world's realizing that and so the world doesn't have love right and we in the church are feeling this felt need of love and and and, and it's just it's and we have all these people who have left the church because of church hurt uh, and they're and they're desperate to just feel that love again right and i i think about and i've talked about this on the on my um on my stories for uh, our Instagram page. And I, I was in an Uber um, the other day because I had to go get, we're only at one car right now because I'm still waiting for my car. I've been waiting since July. since It's been in the shop. Lots of things, lots of reasons. Anyway, we don't have a, we had one car, the window regulator broke again. So take it back to the mechanic. I had to get an Uber home, then I get an Uber there. My Uber there was really cool. His name was Carlos. Um, and he grew up in the church. His abuela would get him to go to church and uh, he stopped going to church. But then the other day, so yesterday was Monday. Uh, and so so he went to church for the first time this past Sunday in a long time. And because he just kept feeling like the Lord was telling him, you need to go back to church. You need, you need, you need me. There's something missing in your life. And, uh, and he did. And he was like, I'm going to keep going. And, and we just had this conversation revolving about how like how culture just is so, it just doesn't get it right. But if I had just been so selfish and been in, in, in my whole, oh, man, I have to get in my car and it's, like, it's so frustrating. I have to get an Uber there. And obviously I could ask for friends, but it's just, it was easier to do it that way. Um, no, oh, can it just, it's just, why it's just inconvenience after inconvenience. The, yeah, but I would have missed out on this wonderful interaction where I got to love on this guy and say, hey, awesome job. Like I even, I clapped for him. I said, praise God that you went to church. I, I hope it was wonderful. And and I hope I see you again. And we talked about my podcast and I told him I'm going to talk, talk about it on my podcast. So thank you, sir, for listening. Um, but yeah, like 
what a, what a wonderful time and what a wonderful interaction I would have missed out on if I was so focused on myself. And that's the problem. Like, love transcends time. Our lives, your life is lacking meaning in power because you have stopped tapping into to your unity with Christ through through his love. And, and now because of that, you don't love others. And so you're, you're lacking meaning and power in your interactions with others because you're not loving them, because you're not even enjoying the love that you, that the Father has shown you through Christ. And if, I, if I'm not tapping into that, if I don't like thinking about love love and with the Lord, it's because it's just, it's, it's, you know, the heart's deceitful, so I just, I just need to keep it all head. I had knowledge. I just I got to think about the knowledge stuff. You're not going to love others, and you're gonna you're gonna lack purpose. Right? Most of our problems are not because we don't have enough info. The problem is that we don't move because we don't believe we will get what we need. Right? We have a felt need, and it's, the irony is we don't want to help others with their felt needs because we don't want to move because we don't think our felt need will ever be met by the Lord. So we don't want to trust Him. And so often, I, I think we 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 can't learn because we. We need to first experience through that, through going and through and through experiencing hardship, right? Through going, you you are going to experience hardship if you move. If you never move, you'll never get hurt, but then you'll never learn, right? And and I believe um, that what this song does well is that it it shows us that God, not not super directly, doesn't show it through this. But what I pull from this is that God answers our problems with an offer of more of himself or a revealing of himself, not with the solution to our problems. That's not what God does. God, when we when we have a problem and we want God to help us, what God does is he just gives us more of himself. And he says, I'm, I'm enough. You don't need more info. I need you to move. I need you to go. I need you to trust me. And then as you're going, I'll reveal what you need to know. Or maybe not. Typically he does though. So the problem is, when we look at this song, it's, a, it's, it's potently God revealing himself and his love. And I love that about this song. It makes me feel warm because I remember, God, man, God, wow, God really loves me. Despite of everything, and I'm not thinking about the sinking and graces and ocean is sinking and, and, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a tree, I'm a cypress or spruce. Right? I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about how God, through Christ, displayed his love and how incredible it, it was. Um, I mean, just what a joy it is to be loved by such a powerful and omnipotent and sovereign God. And if I'm not thinking about that often, if I'm, if I'm not enjoying the unity of Christ and his love and in, 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 in the Father's love, I'm not going to share that with others. And I'm going to be a, a bitter person who is negative, who deconstructs all the time, who doesn't edify, who doesn't build up, who makes a habit of being the, the naysayer rather than the person that shows love to those who do not deserve it. That's the thing, man. If, if, you're, if you're looking at this and you're that person in, in, in uh, chapter 13, the first three verses that's not really doing anything in love, like you're just you're just gonna be that person that is a naysayer that no one wants to to interact with, and you're just gonna be miserable. And you're gonna look at 2020 with that kind of view, and you're always gonna have a negative view 
My hope is that's not you. My hope is that you enjoy that God loves you. I mean, he really loves you. Oh, how he loves you. He does. And he showed it through Christ on the cross. So show that same love that is patient and kind, and it doesn't envy, and it doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It's keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now you can show that kind of love to others. And I hope you do. But with that, man, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Uh, If you have supported the podcast financially, you'll be getting a gift hopefully soon. Let me get those mailed out. Uh, And then I I, I do want to, I want to shout you guys out. I want to, I want to shout you guys out who have who have supported the podcast uh, and financially, right? And obviously, everyone who supports the podcast uh, through sharing and through listening to it, man, thank you guys so much. But there's there's a there's a few of you who have been financially supporting the podcast, and I want you listeners, you general listeners, to hear them. And maybe, hey, maybe the Lord is saying, hey, this might be how you love Joel is you support him financially. I'm not saying you have to, but maybe that's the way. I don't know. That's God works in mysterious ways. All right, so thank you. Kelston, thank you, James. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Jaime. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, John. Thank you, Wendy. And thank you, Karen. Especially thank you guys like Jimmy uh, and and Zach and Andrew um, and and uh, and James who are doing monthly memberships uh, and supporting the the podcast each month. Whether it's you know you guys are doing five or ten bucks. Um, Thank you guys who have given those others, the others you, you who have given the one-time donation. Thank you guys so much. This is, it just means a lot to me. It enables me to do things like buy you guys stuff and, and eventually also get some merch as well with some shirts. And I want to, I want to offer those and, um, as free to you guys, but also to sell them to everyone else. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I, I hope this has encouraged you. I hope it's been a good episode for you. I hope, it's, I hope that you have a wonderful Lord's Day as you worship together corporately this coming Sunday. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram, Theology of Music at uh, on Instagram or um, on YouTube, Theology of Music, uh, you can subscribe to us there. You subscribe to this podcast wherever you stream podcasts. Um, and then also, yeah, if you want to email me, send me something. You guys have been emailing me and I, I love it. So if you ever want to continue to email me, ask questions, give me feedback. Um, you don't want to do it on Instagram. You can do theologyandmusic at gmail.com. But with that, you guys have a wonderful day. Um, and I love you guys. Thank you guys so much for all your support. And uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll see you guys in the next one.